I, uh, as we were singing, I was, I was struck by, there's a lot of neat things about God. I mean, we could go on and on and on forever, but one of them that was striking me this morning specifically as we were singing was, almost simultaneously, God has this amazing ability to make me feel like I can conquer mountains and can be so small and insignificant. And um, I am one of those people who, who likes to live in transparency, and I will tell you that as I'm here this morning is not a mountaintop moment. I'm feeling very small and very insignificant. Um, but thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. Um, thanks to Tim for giving me an opportunity. I am, I'm Derek Slabel. Most of you probably know who I am, but I never want to assume that there's not people out there who don't know me. So um, I'm the director of development for the Factory Ministries right here in Paradise. Um, I'm passionate about telling people about Jesus, um, and I love opportunities when I can stand in front of people and communicate what is on my heart, what God's been doing in my life, because my story is a little bit different from your story. Your story is unique. My story is unique. But there are sometimes there's little nuggets for each of us that we can latch on to and we can gain a little bit of understanding for our own journey just by hearing what somebody else is going through. Um, so Tim has given me very little instruction every time that I come up here, and each time is less and less and less. Um, and he didn't say anything this time other than, hey, I'm going to be riding a bike, and can you be there? I'm like, sure, I can, I can be there. Um, so I always start with, what's on my heart? What's, what's God been doing for me recently? And, and just go tell people about it. Um, so there's been a word that's been on my mind a lot recently, and it's the word imagination. Um, I grew up on a tiny little island, and part of what we did was radio. And so part of what I did for enjoyment was listen to the radio. So how many people in here have ever listened to Adventures in Odyssey? Yes! Oh, I'm so happy. So a double excitement is my kids are at the age now where they're listening to it, so I can listen to them all over again. Oh, I'm such a nerd. Um, but my favorite thing was the Imagination Station. I love the Imagination Station. So if you didn't listen to them quickly, the Imagination Station was this thing that, that John Avery Whitaker created so that kids could get inside and through the power of their imagination could experience historical things and then they could learn about what was going on. And those are my favorite episodes because all it took was the power of this machine and a kid's brain and then they told these elaborate stories and I learned a lot about historical events. There was always some sort of moral problem, and they solved it, and it was all through the power of their imagination. Um, and those are the episodes that I remember most, and my kids now have all the cassette tapes still of Adventures in Odyssey. Oh, it's so great. Um, and I get to listen to them all over again. My wife laughs because some of the scenes I can still say verbatim because I've listened to them over and over and over again. Um, but imagination has been what's on my mind. Another thing that I remember as I think about imagination is I have a younger brother. Um, many of you know him. His name's Drew. I don't know that I've ever met somebody who has quite the imagination of my younger brother. We have family pictures and videos of my brother in the backyard having a nine-person baseball game by himself, 100% by himself. And on top of the game happening, he was also the play-by-play -play and color commentating for his own physical activity. Um, and it was hilarious, but it was his imagination. And, and the reality is that we all have an imagination, and the imagination... I have written down what the technical definition is, but the idea is that it's taking you places that your senses can't, okay? So when we use our senses, we, we navigate to something that we can see, touch, feel, smell, hear. Our imagination allows us to go places that we, we, we can't do those things in. And the reason imagination has been on my mind um, 
kind of is rooted in Ephesians chapter 3, where, where Paul says, God can do immeasurably more than you can imagine. And I've been struggling with that because I have a big imagination, and I can imagine a lot of things. But, but wait, God can do immeasurably more than I can imagine? That seems like an awful lot. And so I've been struggling with that, but I've also been empowered by that because I think, wow, how big can I imagine? And how big can my imagination take me if I work through God, if God's able to work through me? So, again, I work for the factory ministries. That's what I do now. It's my full-time job. And that in itself is stretching my imagination because I never thought I would be in a place where I could serve this community and have that be what my job is. I've been passionate about it for a long time, but now that's my employment? It's almost too good to be true. But God's given me that opportunity. So, this church has been wildly supportive of the factory ministry since its inception in 1994. Um, most of you probably know the story, but I'll give you just a quick run-through of how it began. There was a collection of churches in this community who did a survey and said, what would we like to see happen in this area right here, in this specific community? And maybe some of you were even a part of this. I was not. Um, but the answer came back, we would like a safe place for our kids to go. There was a growing populace of young people in this community who were just more or less wandering the streets of, of Paradise and Route 30. There was an influx of people here. And there was a whole lot of young people who didn't have a place to go. There was no youth center, nothing like that. And so it started just as a youth center in 1994. That's 21 years ago. Um, the factory ministries looks a lot different now. And I'm just going to show a short clip to kind of catch you up on where we are right now, 21 years later. The Factory Ministries is a community enrichment organization that acts as a hub to connect needs with resources. We provide the tools and the middle ground necessary for honest conversation to take place and for all voices to be heard. When you invest in the Factory Ministries, you are investing in people. We believe that poverty is much more than a financial problem. Society's response to this dilemma has been symptomatic never getting to the root of the issue. Because the Factory Ministries believes that everyone's journey matters to God and to us, we take a different approach. Together we are committed to investing in the lives of people by connecting them not only to financial resources, but to intellectual, spiritual, relational, mental, and physical resources. From the young to the old, we care for individuals as real people with real problems not as numbers. We listen and walk the journey together. This approach of empowering instead of enabling creates healthy and self-sufficient individuals who are able to live with dignity and honor. The Factory Ministries is a context where individuals can take pride in the choices they have made to provide for the future of themselves and the family. Poverty is a community problem and it takes a whole community to solve it. Invest in community, invest in the factory ministries, because everyone's journey matters. Invest in me, invest in me, invest in me. Now again, I wasn't here 21 years ago when some people sat around and thought what we needed right now is a youth center for kids. But I bet you 
They didn't imagine it could turn into something like this. But they weren't held by that either. They were willing to take the step, the step of faith to say, okay, let's just go. Let's start somewhere. Let's be willing to think that God can do immeasurably more than we can ever imagine by at least taking a step. And sometimes it takes that just to get going. And sometimes it takes investment as well. Investment is this recognition that I'm going to take something that is mine and I'm going to put it somewhere else so that I can get a larger return on it. Now, we immediately think of money. And we can use that as an example because it's true. So we take some of our money and we put it somewhere because we believe that we can get a stronger return on that investment. At the factory, we recognize the same thing is true if we collaborate, if we work together. If we say, there's something that we're doing here, but we're willing to work with you on this because if we work together, we can get a bigger return on our investment. In the book of Ephesians, again, in chapter 3, and we're going to start there this morning, but we're going to kind of jump around to a few different places, so get your uh, turning fingers ready. And I'm just going to repeat what I've already said and then dive a little bit deeper into it. Paul is writing here, and he's kind of concluding a few statements that he's made in Ephesians with this. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I'm going to stop there just for a second and point one thing out. Recognize that in that section of Scripture, it's not through our power that we can do immeasurably more than we can imagine. It says it very clearly, according to his power that is at work within us. And we have to make sure that we don't get that part twisted. Yeah, I can imagine a lot of huge things. But if I'm not recognizing that my imagination won't be seen through, unless God is working through me, then I've failed. It's God's work in us that allows us to dream big and to go for it. And I want to continue on because, and you probably know this because I'm sure some pastor along the way told you, those big number four that's in there, that, that wasn't actually there when they wrote the Bible. Just I want to clear that up for you. So it's kind of a seamless thought that continues on. So he says, forever and ever, amen. And he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you. This then kind of ties in what we were just talking about. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So it's as if Paul is saying this original statement that God is able to do immeasurably more. And he says, well, well let me give you a glimpse of how that can happen. And he ties in the beginning of chapter 4 here. And there's a lot of key words if we just kind of skim through that. One another. Keep the unity of the Spirit. One body, one Spirit. I see a theme there. I see a theme that says, if you want to accomplish this immeasurably more, be of one mind. Work together on things. 
collaborate on things. One of the things that we talk about in a ministry with this word collaborate, we differentiate it a little bit from partnership because we say when true collaboration is happening, you can't really see where it starts and where it stops. And it doesn't really matter who gets the credit. And frankly, if I, if I can be super honest, sometimes in, in the big C church, and the corporate church, we get that a little bit twisted because we think, hey, we created this. We kind of like it this way. We want it to be our own thing. And I think the moment we can lay that down and say, you know what, I don't care who gets the recognition here. We're of one mind. We just want the mission to be accomplished. I think the moment we can do that, again, make that investment, that's when, through God's power, we can do immeasurably more than we can imagine. I want to encourage you because I think a great example of that happening is going to be blast this fall. We have, we've decided as a church to move that up to the community center up here. And what an incredible opportunity that is to take something that has been created and done inside the walls of this church for so long and say, you know what, it, it's not really about us. It's about people hearing about Jesus. And, and we could keep it here and it would be good, but what if we tried something different and opened the doors up to some people who might be uncomfortable coming here but are going to be more comfortable there? We can still tell people about Jesus a half mile up the road. And I think that's really exciting. And I want to encourage you for that. I want to thank you for that because it's going to be a huge opportunity to reach out to some people that we might not otherwise have been able to do. But that's an example of laying it down. That's an example of saying we are going to be of one accord. We are going to be of one spirit. We would rather accomplish the mission than make sure that this church gets all the credit because it doesn't, it's not about this church. And if you hear me say anything else, it's not about me and it's not about the factory either. It's about showing people God's love. And if we can do that, if we can make that investment, that's where the immeasurably more can come in. There's another story in Scripture that, that I want to go to this morning and spend a little bit more time in that talks about what can be accomplished when we work together and don't lose sight of the vision that God has for us, even though it can be scary. So we're going to be in Numbers. It's in the first chunk of your Bible. Numbers chapter 13. I don't think I have the authority to give away free Bibles, so I won't tell you that you can steal that red one, but somebody smarter than me told me that you can take those red Bibles home, so. Go right ahead. Numbers chapter 13. If you have grown up in the church... Um, it's a familiar story. If you haven't, I will give you the quick catch-up. Um, the nation of Israel is a uh, God's chosen nation, and they have been on the run, leaving Egypt, and they've been wandering for, at this point, about 38 years or so. And uh, they've arrived at this place. They've been told these tales that there is a land out there that's been promised to them. And um, they've been wandering, looking for this all along the way. They're just like us. They grumble because they don't have things to eat. They grumble because there's no water. They grumble because of the weather. They, they do the same stuff we do. They grumble. That's what we do. And, and now they have arrived just outside of what is to be their promised land. And chapter 13 picks up on the first exploration that the Israelites take to go into this land and kind of scope it out and see what's on the inside. So we're going to dive in there. And along the way, we're going to pause every so often 
And we're going to realize there's a lot of similarities between the nation of Israel and us. I remember last week when Tim said he wasn't going to grab the cruddy chair again. Okay, I think I'm all right. I'll be the one who falls over inevitably. Um, So, we're starting in chapter 13, and I'm going to kind of, there's a lot of scripture to go through here, so I'm not going to go verse by verse, but I'll kind of direct you to where we're going. Um, I want to hit some key things, dive in on a few things, and then at the same time just sort of touch on some other ones as we're skipping across. So, stick with me. I'll try and use my turn signals as best as possible. Uh, Chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Stop there. Key part that happens in verse 2. I want you to recognize something. The land's already been given. God's already said to them, hey, good news, I'm giving this to you. Wouldn't it be nice if we had that kind of banner sometimes when we're standing in front of something that's happening in our lives, not really knowing which way to go? And God said, hey, just so you know, here's the conclusion. I wonder how bold we would be then. Or would we still be scared? Because I'll tell you this, the Israelites, they don't do things right all the time either. From there it goes on and it gives a list of the names of the people who went in through each tribe. And then catch up with me in verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev, And on into the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong, weak, few, or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land because it was the season for the first ripe grapes. They did their homework. So it's one thing for God to give you a charge. It's one thing to walk by faith. But it's another thing to think that you don't have a part of responsibility as well. I use this example in my own life all the time. And and me being right here is an example of it. I will tell you that I firmly believe that God has called me to talk about the good things that God does in my life. I just think he has. I'd be foolish to stand up here, though, without doing my homework. That would be me not doing my diligence. We have a joke sometimes that we're talking about things as a staff that there's a thin line between faith and stupidity. Don't get me wrong. I want to walk by faith all the time. But God gave me a mind. He has called me to use it to make good choices, to not just blindly walk into things. We have to balance that. Faith with doing our homework as well. Continuing in verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as Rehob, toward Lebo, Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Heman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. When they reached the valley of Eskel, they cut off branch bearing single clusters of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eskel. Because of the cluster of grapes, the Israelites cut off there. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So you can see what they found when they were there. Apparently, they found gigantic grapes. Grapes that were the size of people that needed to be carried on poles. They went and they saw this stuff. And concluding there, it says that they returned from their exploration of the land. 
So it'll be interesting as we continue here to take notice of what this report looks like. Because on one hand, what we've read already is that there's some really good stuff there. What we don't know yet of what else was happening in the land. So verse 26 says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And here it comes. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Yay. Here is its fruit. One of my favorite words, but. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites. They live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And I imagine if I was sitting there, you could hear this. There was this sense of panic. There's all these people that are so much larger than us. And they forgot what was said back in verse 1. I'm giving you this land. They got caught up in what is right in front of us. But I do the same thing too. I can't get mad at the Israelites. It's exactly what happens to me on a day-to-day basis. I know that God has huge things in store for this community, this church. My, I know he does. He's told me, Derek, I want you to have life to the full, not just me, but all of us. But I lose sight of that, don't I? I get hung up on the fact that, well, here comes the cable bill again. Or what are we doing for dinner tonight? Or why isn't my wife responding the way that I think she should right now? I get hung up in that stuff. My kids aren't perfect. Sorry, guys. Um, it's just the truth. And we lose sight of the fact that God's already said to me, I've given you the land, Derek. Go and take it. Instead of focusing on the good stuff, the gigantic grapes, I focus on the giant people and these insurmountable things that are in front of us. Then a warrior speaks up in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Man, I want to be a warrior like that. I want to be the one who is able to refocus our vision at times when it just starts to drift a little bit. When we start to look at how giant the things are in between us and that goal way out there instead of the good that can come during the conquest. Something that I find incredible about Caleb here, and there's, there's nothing that tells me other than what the script says, which is, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. I imagine there was a large group of very angry people in front of Moses. I have no idea what Caleb did to silence them, but he somehow did it. And he spoke with an authority that says, don't lose sight of the vision. We can do this. God told us we can do it. Look at the giant grapes instead of the giant people. This is what's been promised to us. There's more than we could imagine in this land. Let's go get it. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. It's almost like, you can't do that. You're too weak. You can't speak in front of people. You're not good. You can't be on worship team. You have a terrible voice. That's me. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw saw there are of great size. 
Be careful who you listen to. These people went. There's 12 of them. They went. All 12 came back and gave the exact same report, if you look at the text. Sometimes we think that they said different things, but frankly, they said the same stuff in their report. They said, there's big people there. They said, there's a lot of them, and they said, it's going to be tough. The difference is, some people said, we can't. And other people said, we can do this. That's the difference. Who are you listening to? Who are you seeking counsel from to make these kinds of decisions? Like I said, God can do immeasurably more through us. We've got to do our homework. We've got to listen to the people around us, but never lose sight of the fact that God has already given us that kind of power. Skip ahead a little bit with me to chapter 14, verse 1. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. I have been there. You start this journey, you think, I know this is the direction God is leading me. For me, that journey looked like quitting my job, going to Bible school, and starting to work here at the church. I was convinced this was it. I was going to be at the church for the next forever. And I made it about a year. And I realized there was a few things that just weren't perfect with the situation. And that was hard for me. And I had to step down because there were some things for my family that I needed to take care of. And that was my moment right there where I thought, you know what? I should have just stayed where I was a year ago. Why did I even bother to take these first few steps? Because now I've made myself out here. I left my big paying job. I don't know where money's coming from. And I don't have the job that I thought I was going to have for the next five years. I'm stupid. I got four kids at home. I got a wife and a mortgage. And I left my job? Worst idea ever. But it took that experience for me to learn so much about what it meant to be reliant on God. And that's where the Israelites are right here. They're feeling like, we've just made a catastrophic decision. We would have been better just to stay in Egypt, which how soon they forget how awful that was. But that's how they're feeling right now. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Another warrior moment. When the whole assembly is saying, we can't do this, and we would have been better off to stay way back there, these guys stepped up and said, this land is good, and God is with us. 
We can go get this. And I need those moments all the time in my life. Well, I need to be reminded to stay on mission. To not drift away from what I knew to be true in the very beginning. So I started a new job now. And you know, new jobs, it's like a new car. They smell good for a while. And then after a while, there's going to be something. I guarantee you, nothing's perfect. There's going to be something that I'll get frustrated by. It's a job. They all have them. Will I lose sight of why I set out to do this in that moment? Will I be able to stay on mission and keep that vision in front of me? I believe that God wants to do immeasurably more in this community, through this church, through this ministry. doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect. There are going to be things that frustrate us from time to time. We have to stay on mission. We have to keep that vision in front of us. So what happens if we miss that opportunity? Because frankly, there's opportunities in front of us all the time to be bold and to take a step, to think, you know what? I can't quite imagine that, but I know God's with me, and so I'm going to go after it. But what happens if we miss that opportunity? Jump ahead with me to chapter 14, verse 37. These men responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua and Caleb survived. Now, I'm not saying you're going to die. I am telling you, though, that you might miss opportunities. If I can go back to the vision that was started with the factory 21 years ago and tell you again, I'm pretty sure they didn't have this in mind with what's happening right now when they started 21 years ago. But they took a step. And they said, you know what? We're willing to step out in faith and to move in a direction that, that might be a little bit uncomfortable. What would have happened if those people had said, you know, we can't do this? It's too big for us. We'll, we'll never have a full-time staff member. We'll never have social services in the community. We'll never be able to rally churches to a singular cause. What would have happened if people did that? It would have been an opportunity missed. And there's opportunities like that in our own lives all the time. Opportunities to take a step and to step out in faith and to see what that immeasurably more than you can imagine looks like. I am fortunate because right now my job gives me a chance to see those opportunities very often. We've taken some huge steps recently in this community to do some things that, I, frankly, I can't even imagine. And it would have been that long ago that I would have told you there's no way a group of people from this community would rally together and ride their bikes in the cold and rain for a cause to fight poverty. I can tell you, I, I sat there and thought there's no way people in this community would do that. But now, it's almost so regular that we're not amazed by it anymore. Because you know what? That's, that's what Grace Point does. That's what the factory does. That's what other churches do. That's what the Pequot Valley School District does. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the uniqueness of this community, of how all the time people are taking steps and saying, I don't have an agenda, I don't have an agenda, but I think we can get there. It's way out there, and there's big people between here and there, but the grapes way out there, they're going to be worth it. So my question is this. 
what are the things that our senses are limiting us to? Again, if imagination is, is the ability to see past your senses, what are your senses limiting you to? Is it your sight that says, that is way too scary. I can't do that. Is it your ears? Are you hearing people talk negatively about you because you're not gifted in this area or that area? Is it things that you feel because they, they, they make you tense up a little bit and you get scared? You know, there's opportunity for us to have personal conquest in our lives all the time if we can get over the fear. Maybe it's a physical limitation. Maybe you want to drop a few pounds. That can be scary. Two weekends ago, I finished a triathlon. It was petrifying, and I was sore for three days. But I did it. And I will tell you that as I was in the middle of my bike ride, I was ready to give up. And I, I even had the full conversation with myself where I said, Derek, this is the stupidest idea you've ever had. Why don't you just go back to the place, get to you, get in the van, and go home, because this is just dumb right now. I had that conversation, and I had it planned out how I was going to do it. I was going to ride in, grab her, get in the van, and we were going to go home, and I wasn't even going to say goodbye to anybody because I didn't want to face that. But I made a decision after I made the turn on my bike and before I headed down on the run that one foot in front of the other, that's all I got to do. I just want to finish. I don't care about my time. I don't care about how I look. I don't care about smell. I just want to finish. And there's a lot of things in our life that are like that. We've just got to get it up here, made up in our minds that we can do it. And that through God, infinity is possible. So much more than you can ever imagine is possible. So what would it look like for you to look around to the people around you and make an investment in somebody? To realize, you know what? If I take a something that I have and put it into somebody else, can I get a bigger return on my investment? Because that person matters to God. Because that organization matters to God. Because again, if we partner together, we can do so much more than we can ever imagine. This week, I want you to take a stock of, of where you're at in life. What are your limitations? What are the reasons that you have said, no, I will never have conquest over that sin right there? It'll always be on my shelf. I can't. I've tried and I've failed. Maybe you're a student and there's things at your school that you know aren't right that are happening. You think to yourself, I can never be the person who speaks up in that circle of friends. Never. Well, God can do more than you can ever imagine just by one voice sometimes. Maybe you're newlywed, young married, and you think, we will never have the marriage of that couple who's been married for 50 years. We'll never have that marriage. You know what? You probably won't. Let's just be real. You won't have that marriage. You'll have your own marriage. But it's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen because you work at it and you realize, you know what? God can do immeasurably more in my marriage. Maybe it's something in the workplace. Business decisions, things that you think, I know my business is making choices that are poor, that are wrong. Can I be that voice? Can I be the person who just says, steps up, you know what? Maybe to look different if we cared about our employees in a different way. God can do immeasurably more than you can ever imagine through that. 
That's my challenge. Look around you. What are your limitations? What are the times that you keep butting up against something and saying, I can't do that? And recognize that you can. Because God has told you, I can do more than you can imagine. Dream big. Because together, we can make huge changes in our own lives and in this community. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. God, I confess to feeling so small in front of you right now. God, your words in Scripture are as much for me right now as anybody sitting here. So God, I ask you to show me the areas in my life where I'm putting you in a box, where I'm limiting you. Those places, God, where I think I will never be able to get past that. God, the Israelites lost sight of that from time to time. They lost sight of how big they can imagine. Yeah, there was big people, and the land was scary, but you were going ahead of them. You had given them victory already. God, I pray this week that we will find those areas in our life where we are petrified to take another step, where we've given up, and we'll turn that, Lord, into an area where we are able to have freedom, boldness, because you've told us you can do more. God, we, we can be more than conquerors. You've told us that. And I pray that we latch onto that and we let our imaginations run wild, God. Thank you for your love, for the opportunity to be here today.